0: Good morning. Now be honest, how many of you really got an extra hour of sleep last night? The rest of us woke up regular time, it just was an hour early. There you go. Well, we appreciate fall back rather than spring forward though, don't we? We're glad you're here this morning. It's our opening Sunday of our fall Bible conference, continues Sunday night the next two Sundays and the next two Wednesdays. So you want, want to join us for all of those services, if you would. If it's your first time with us, it's our privilege to have you here. We just ask you, allow us to give you some information about our church. It's going to be a packet that tells you more about the ministries here at Alden Union. There's also a card in this packet we ask you to fill out and put in the offering plate a little bit later so we could acknowledge a visit by letter. So if it's your first time with us, if you'd raise your hands so Pastor Paul can see you as he comes up the center aisle, keep it up till he's next to you, and he'll be happy to give that to you. If after this service you need more information, where to go for Bible school, something about one of our ministries, out the back door to your right is a welcome center, just stop there and somebody would be happy to help you. If your row has not passed the friendship pad yet, if you would, it's on the side, pass them across and sign in, we would appreciate that. Uh, first of all, thanks to all who were involved with Trunk or Treat last night, the estimate was there was up to 1,000 people there that showed up. Hey, free food, free candy—what can you beat? But we're thankful for the prayers, participation, and donations, and everybody who was involved. Uh, We had a visitor to our Facebook page post something about this last night already. Some of you you don't know we have a Facebook page—you ought to check it out. But they said this: My family and I attended your Trunk or Treat event this evening. Everyone was super nice and really took the time out to decorate their vehicles. We really enjoyed the different themes. My toddler loved the puppet show—great way to teach children about God's word. And there were lots of candy provided to us. We're so fortunate to have a church like Alden Union in our community where you don't have to be a member to feel included and cared for. Thank you. We had a great time. So God's at work, we pray some seeds were planted, and that will continue. In your bulletin, there's a lot of things we could highlight, but we'd spend a whole lot of time where you could spend more time reading. But there are a couple of things that we want to remind you of. Church Cleanup Day is coming up this Saturday morning, and so we ask you to come and help us take care of our properties. The new AUC website should be up today. I didn't get a chance to John saying yes, so I'm assuming it's up. It's the same address as the old one. You'll just have a new one pop up. So check that out, some of the things that are on there. And then you'll see a first time announcement about the uh, sanctuary projector. Sometimes would you like to see the projector a little brighter on the screen? There's only one way to do that, upgrade the technology. And that costs a little bit of money. So you'll see it's about $10,000 to replace it. So we have a fund started for that. So read that announcement if you want to give to that so we can upgrade our technology a little bit. That would be a great thing. Join me as we pray this morning. Father, what a privilege and a joy it is to be here, and I trust we see it that way. That we're not just here at a habit, but we're here because we really desire to worship you and learn from you and bless you. And this morning, you look at our hearts, and I trust we have considered where our hearts are this morning. If we have sins we have not confessed, that we have not made right before you, that we would do that now. And that we are here to worship truly in spirit and in truth. And we trust this morning that you will be glorified in all that we do this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do
1: you stand up with me and let's praise God for how great he is.
2: Yes, your great name we praise Unresting, and unhasting, unhasting and, and silent as light Not wanting or wasting, you rule us in Justice like mountains high soaring like above, your clouds which are fountains of goodness, goodness and love, most holy, most glorious, the ancient of days. Through life of all, we blossom and flourish, but quickly grow frail. We wither and perish, but. All All praise praise we we will render, O Father of grace, grace. till one day in splendor we see face to face. Most holy, most glorious.
1: series our fall bible conference in this centennial year with the theme of remembering and not forgetting and israel when they came into the land were beginning to enter they were told to remember a number of things the first thing was to love the lord their god with all their heart soul mind and strength let's sing that because it's true for us too
2: I will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all Soul, with, with all, all my mind, mind and with, with all, all my strength
1: now take just a moment to tell the people around you you love them too. fled villages like Karakush and Bartillas most have come here to Erbil with nothing more than the clothes on their back it was leave or die
0: فماذا نقول في ضوء هذا كله فمن يصمد ضدنا
3: وان كان الله لم يمنع ان ابنه الوحيد
0: بل اسلمه للموت من اجلنا جميعا افلا يكون مستعدا لاعطائنا كل شيء معه بل الذي سيشتكي على
3: الذين اختارهم الله فالله هو الذي يبرئهم ومن الذي سيجينهم المسيح يسوع هو الذي مات وقام وهو ايضا الذي يجلس عن يمين الله يحامي عنا فمن يقدر ان يفصلنا عن محبة المسيح أتقدر على ذلك الضيقات أم المشقات أم الأفقهادات أم الجوع
0: أم العري أم الأخطار
3: أم الموت بالسيف فكما يقول الكتاب
2: أننا من أجلك نواجه خطر الموت طوال النهاية ونحن
3: محسوبون كغنم للذبح غير إننا في كل هذه الشدائد منتصرون انتصاراً مجيداً جداً من خلال ذاك الذي أحبنا فأنا مقتنع بأنه ما من شيء يقدر أن يفصلنا عن محبة الله التي في المسيح يسوع ربنا فلا موت ولا حياة ولا ملائكة ولا أرواح مسلطة all right, well good morning. So, uh, when you become a Christian when you put your faith in Christ, it's a lot more than just joining an organization. It's not just joining a religion or joining some sort of club. Uh, But when you become a follower of Christ, um, you become a member of a family. Um, And that's really what we want to put forth this morning, that uh, this family we're a part of. It goes far beyond barriers of race, of skin color, um, of language, of political borders, this family of Christ, um, goes far outside of these walls, goes all around the globe. Um, and the truth is that a lot of people who follow Christ, um, face persecution every day. Um, you know, they're beaten, they're imprisoned, they're killed. Um, and so this week what we really want to do is pray for the persecuted church around the world. We're going to do, um, Each day, like we said, the church does have a Facebook page. So um, each day this week, we're going to be posting on there some prayer requests um, about how you can pray um, for Christians around the world. Hebrews 13.3 says, Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. It also says, you know, this family that goes around the world, it's it's so tightly knit that it forms one body. Um, And it says that when one part of the body suffers, the whole body suffers. And so when when our Christian brothers and sisters around the world are being persecuted, when they're aching, when they're hurting, uh, we should be aching and we should be hurting with them. So uh, like I said, each day we'll be posting some prayer requests. I encourage you um, to be praying, knowing that Uh, Wherever we are, wherever uh, we're taken this week, different places, we can be united in prayer, um, and we can really lift up our brothers and sisters who are around the world. Um, We'll be praying specifically for um, five countries where persecution is the worst, Uh, North Korea, Somalia, Iraq, Syria, and Afghanistan. They're five countries where um, Christians really um, face a lot of persecution. Um, So be looking for that this week. and let's just go in uh, in prayer to the Lord now for you know to intercede for our brothers and sisters. Uh, so pray with me, dear Heavenly Father. Um, we pray that your name would be hallowed in this world. Um, we pray um, that we wouldn't focus so much on ourselves, but that you would take our eyes um, and look to the needs of others. Um, that you would help us to love one another. You know, that's how, that's how the world's going to see you through us, God, if we love one another, if we care about the church. So give us that love. And we pray for our brothers and sisters right now who are in hard places, those who are beaten, those who are enslaved, those who are thrown in prison and even killed because they love you. We pray that you'd help their faith to stand firm. God, we pray that when they're afraid, that they'd put their trust in you, that you'd comfort them, that you would really show them that you're going to help them, that you're going to strengthen them, and that you'll uphold them with your righteous right hand. And Lord, we also pray that you would take any spirit of revenge out of them, but Lord, that you'd help them to do the impossible, that you'd help them to love their enemies and to bless those who persecute them. God, that's not an easy thing to do, but we pray that you'd help them And God, we pray that you'd help them not to count their lives of any value to themselves, but that you'd help them to finish the course and the calling that they've received from you to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And Lord, we just pray for this world. We pray for those who are doing the persecuting. Lord, that you'd soften their hearts, that you'd open their eyes like you've done to so many before. No one is out of the reach, God, of your love. Um, So we pray for this world, Lord. There's a lot of sin. There's a lot of brokenness. But at the same time, Lord, your light is shining through. Um, So we do pray, Lord, that even in the hardest places, that even in the deepest darkness, that your love and your grace um, would shine through and that your name would be glorified. So we pray all this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.
4: Thank you, Mickey. We have the, uh, the great privilege and blessing to not be persecuted and to be here to be able to celebrate a Bible conference. But please keep in mind that it's not about us, that we have a Bible conference to equip us to minister to the world and to reach out our Bible conference this year in keeping somewhat with the theme of the centennial year is forgetting and remembering or remembering and forgetting there are things that we should do both with we should be forgetting some things and remembering some things we have a brochure if you didn't get one or you can't place yours there's there's still some on tables in the back remembering and forgetting and today we get this underway the premise we look back to remember God's faithfulness and it's not Wrong to look back to remember that sort of thing but we need reminders since we forget even the most important things we don't live in the past we learn from the past we're encouraged by God's constant faithfulness and we move forward confidently in obedience to the Lord's marching orders that's what we're going to be looking at for these three weeks of Bible conference this morning, we're delighted to have Don and Jan Cheney with us. Would you mind standing here? We're going to see Don, but we might not see too much of Jan. Welcome to Alden Union Church. I guess I should say welcome home, welcome back, because we, we trust this is one of your homes. Don served with Village Missions for 19 years as a missionary pastor. We had the privilege of visiting with Don and Jan and their family out in Colorado, um, then he came to Cairn University which wasn't Cairn at the time he got there it's had a number of names over the years he's married to Jan has three grown children and three grandchildren who call him and now among them I think I'm going to have to join them and call him Chappie from now on as well his connection to Alden Union Church is very significant my grandfather and grandmother were active at Alden Union Church for many years, back in the Dr. Dean days, as he puts it. My father and mother, and many of you know Ray and Arlene Cheney, serving as missionaries with Village Missions for almost 40 years, just about 40 years. So my father and mother were supported by Alden Union Church as missionaries in rural America, and so I grew up hearing about the church and attending when we were in Pennsylvania, 1980, I became a village missionary, and we were supported by Alden Union Church for 19 years until we came east to Cairn. We have many fond memories that come from a lifetime association with this faithful church, and those are kind words. We thank you for them. Uh, Delighted to have Don and Jan with us. It's going to be a real treat for us as Don opens the word in a little while. Please join me now in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you even for an expression, Bible conference. To some, maybe that's something from the past, that's a tradition. But not everything that is traditional, not everything that is even old is necessarily bad. So thank you that we emphasize the Bible here at Alden Union Church. And thank you that you've told us in your word over and over again of the blessings of being in your word. The psalmist said, blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. We want to learn more and more about your word. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I have stored up your word in my heart. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. Thank you that our prayer is that you would teach us your statutes, that we will allow your word to guard our ways, to keep our way pure. We will think on and meditate and fix our eyes on your ways and your word. We will store it up in our hearts so that we won't sin against you. We pray that in so doing all of these things, we might delight in your word as much as we do in all riches. And then beyond that, the psalmist also said with my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. Help us to be declarers of truth of your word. Thank you for this Bible conference and thank you for Don Cheney. Thank you that as a result of his parents and grandparents passing a torch of biblical truth onto him, he stands before us a little bit later this morning. And thank you that that's the way your word has told us that it should be, to keep passing that torch from one to another, from one generation to another one to another one. We thank you that even as we review some of our prayer requests in the bulletin, that our missionaries Don and Sue Apgar Represent all the other missionaries here today. Thank you for their godly heritage. Thank you for their parents Thank you for the way in which you worked through many generations of the Apgars and all of those related to them thank you for our leader of the week Howard Phipps and his godly heritage As we can see passed along again from generation to generation truth the truth of your word We thank you for the banquet that is coming up this Saturday night as a reminder of the past heritage of Alden Union Church. Thank you for those who have gone before us and have passed that torch on to us. And we pray that all who come behind us will find us faithful. Thank you for granting to us a position in this neighborhood, in this community, in this country, and among these continents. We desire to keep growing in the Lord Jesus and then reaching out to this world. Thank you for the kind words that somebody wrote about trunk or treat last night. Thank you for the many people who were impacted by once again your love shown by your people in response to the truth of your word. And thank you that as you've called us to be salt light and fragrance in this world, that with an election coming up, that we can have a part in that as good citizens of this country. And thank you for worship and the privilege of worshiping you thank you that even now as part of our worship we'll be giving to you giving to express our love giving to express the fact that we're dependent on you for absolutely everything and thanking you for giving to us so that we can in turn give take the money that we give use it here and around this world to bring honor and glory to your great name and we thank you for this and we thank you in jesus name Amen.
1: Children, you can leave now for kids' worship. If you have your Bibles, you might turn to Psalm 78. I'm going to read the first eight verses there. We get our news a lot of times from Facebook newsfeed, from some blogs that we subscribe to, or from websites, from the television. But uh, we have for us in God's Word the greatest news but it's also ancient news in a way. And I'd like to read from this psalm as we begin our thoughts towards the sermon this morning. Asaph wrote these words. Give ear, O my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded of our fathers to teach our children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and, unri- and arise and tell them to their children so that they should set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep His commandments, and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Let's stand together and ask God to use His Word, these ancient words, to speak to us today.
2: For left the ancient words in one. Words of life, words of hope.
5: better than my eight o'clock class, I'll tell you. (laughs) You know, it's not often that I get invited to celebrate a 100th anniversary of a church. I think this is a first for me, actually. I've done 25s, I've done 50s, but hundreds are pretty rare. And so I want to say congratulations. Now, when I think about that, I'm not really surprised it would be Alden Union Church. I... I'm not here to journey back in time, but I'm in my 60s now. So, you know, senility and all the rest of the stuff that Paul jokes about is coming on. And, you know, I look back of 60 years, 60 plus years of association with Alden Union Church. Paul kind of read a little bit of my bio and he realized that my grandfather was here. I remember my granddad standing over at the door on on chapel, at the chapel on the other side over there, and he would shake hands, everybody coming in. My white-haired grandpa, that was his station. And so we called him Pop-Pop in those days. And I remember him being the greeter at the door. I remember junior church. It was a treat. We didn't have junior church where, where I was growing up. And so Shirley Cook uh, was the junior church teacher. And, and I remember Shirley and her faithfulness, uh, teaching us all those years I also remember that it was very hot in Philadelphia uh, we came back here from Colorado or from Montana and we would meet in the the old auditorium and there was no air conditioning there there were these fans and if I remember right there were some fans in the back of the pews that had some sort of funeral home name on it with a little stick and so the whole time you're you're fanning yourself and trying to stay awake And I didn't always manage the latter. William Allen Dean was a name that I grew up with. In fact, my middle name is Allen, after William Allen Dean. So I could say that that Alden Union Church has been part of my life since day one. And it's been a a place that's held a great esteem in our family. And and it's been very meaningful to Jan and I as you supported us and prayed for us all those years after when I graduated from seminary for 19 years we came on staff and I just have really fond memories of coming back for missions conferences uh, coming back for men's uh, retreats down at the shore we did some of those as, as well there were times when ministry was really rough and Paul and Beth came out and visited us one time in Colorado I don't know that it was rough in Colorado, but it was rough for Paul because we took took him up on something called the Colorado Monument, which is just sheer red cliffs that go straight down a thousand feet, and the road hangs right on the edge. You're not used to seeing that kind of stuff here on the East Coast. But another time when we were in California and things were very difficult, Paul and and Beth got on a plane and came out to see us, and they encouraged us uh, there in California. So we have very, very fond Memories of Alden Union Church. In fact, I could say this with all honesty I could not do the things that I'm doing in training the next generation of pastors At Cairn University if it were not for the the investment that you have made in my life uh, through the many years Those churches trained me in ways unbelievably (laughs) I have so many stories we, we could tell but those churches were ones that that God used in our lives to cause us to be the kind of people that we are today. And so we thank you. One hundred years of faithfully proclaiming the gospel, that really is a remarkable testimony, especially when you think about all of the cultural changes that you've had to navigate in a hundred years. But let me ask another question. What about the next one hundred? Now, I know that you're not going to see it. I'm not going to see it. I'm not going to... Not going to be here in 100 years. I'm quite certain of that. But what is going to keep this legacy of faithfulness and fruitfulness alive in this community, in this church? There are going to be lots of challenges that come. But what is it that's going to help you to remain this this kind of beacon of the gospel in Alden, Pennsylvania? What can you do to contribute to keeping this church faithful and fruitful in the years to come? Paul chose this theme, or I suppose it was Paul who chose this theme, Remembering and Forgetting. And he wanted this first message to the topic to, to uh, just kind of go back over and say, well, let's look at what God's people have done, how they have, have forgotten. And really the theme is, you know, God's people forget. And I thought, wow, what, what a great sermon I have to preach. God's people forget. So I could stand in front of you and I could say, God's people forget. And we're done. Or I could say, well, let me give you, let let me teach the whole Old Testament. I'll I'll teach you the story of Israel. And I thought, well, that's not enough. I might have to teach all of church history too. But I've only got how many minutes left? 30, 35 minutes left to go. And so I'm thinking, how am I going to, how am I going to do this? And then I ran across a psalm, Psalm 78. And I'm not going to preach the whole psalm. It's 72 verses long. But there's a, a chunk of history in Psalm 72 that I think that is worth paying attention to. And so we read the first eight verses for our Scripture reading this morning. And then I will sort of look at some sections as we, we go through, the, uh, through the, the psalm. But the gist of it, I, I want you to see some things that may keep the fire burning. I think that there are things that can help us remember and not to forget. So let's turn to Psalm 78. We don't know exactly when the psalm was written. Obviously, uh, from the text, it's described as a didactic psalm. It's, it's, it's uh, treated as a descriptive psalm of praise. And what, a, what that kind of psalm is meant to do is to teach and to warn. They go together. A descriptive psalm of praise rehearses what God has done. It just speaks about God's mercy and God's grace, and we're going to see that in the psalm. So we see the activity of God on behalf of Israel in spite of their continued rebellion. So what we have in the psalm is a description of God's work with Israel from the time of Egypt to the kingship of David. It was probably written sometime during the reign of David. We don't know for sure. And really the the date doesn't matter. It's the contents that we need to worry about this morning. So let's get started. In those first verses, there's an urgent call to listen up. Let's read verse 1. Amasco of Asaph, give ear, my people, to my teaching. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. Now, the words of the text are not that hard to understand. We have two lines that essentially say the same thing. Give ear, incline your ear. In other words, what the psalmist is doing is saying, I want your rapt attention. Listen up, is what he's doing. And you can get the flavor of the command that's here if you could think back to your childhood. For some of us, it's a little bit back there, but we can still think about it. And you may remember your mom or your dad saying something like this, Listen to me bring up a memory listen to me and perhaps you were a non-compliant child I could testify to being a non-compliant child far too many times and so I didn't listen and so the next sort of step in this progression is that your parent grabs you by the shoulder gently of course or by the arm or maybe back in those days they grabbed you by your earlobes, and they looked into your face and they said Look at me. Listen up. You know the tone. You know that sort of emotional tone is what we're going to see here. Listen up. The psalmist is trying to capture attention because what he is about to teach is vitally important. He says, you need to know, you need to learn from your history so that you don't make the same mistakes. Listen up. Learn from your history. Now the Bible does this sort of thing over and over again. It's not the only place that we're going to see something like this. Psalm 103 is one of those Psalms that also does the same thing. Psalm 103 one says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And then that next line, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. And then the psalm begins to name the benefits of God. Things that, like forgiveness, uh, physical healing, patience when we go astray, loving kindness and compassion. All of those things are listed in that psalm. The truth is that people tend to forget even the best things that God has done for us. Now, the New Testament does the same thing, and I'm going to have you turn there. Keep your finger in Psalm 78. But Paul uses the very same incidents that we're going to talk about here in Psalm 78 in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's a long passage. But again, I want to read it because I want you to see how Paul uses it. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, beginning at verse 1. Good to hear the rustle of Bibles at school, I have to say. Can you scroll down on your phone to whatever it is? Paul writes, For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all ate the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overflown, overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. Do not be idolaters, as some of them were. As it was written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. We must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. We must not put Christ to the test, as some of them did, and were destroyed by serpents, nor grumble, as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happen to them as an example, but they are written down for our instruction on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed, lest he fall. Now what I want to pay attention to is just look at it again. Verse 6 and verse 11. He says, these things are examples for us. Verse 11, they were written down for our instruction. In other words, Paul is saying that the sins of Israel and God's judgment on sin are used as a teaching tool and a reminder for New Testament believers, not just Old Testament believers, that God still judges sin. And Paul is making sure that his readers, and by application all of us, that we learn from the past, that we not forget. So these two passages... Illustrate a problem that was true for Israel and it remains true for us. God's people need to remember and learn from the past. Why? Because we forget. We so soon forget. So we start our psalm with this simple little thought, listen up. But then it moves on to a second point. And and again, I'm going to give you a short uh, phrase to kind of help you remember what's going on. And here it is, pass it on. So in the psalm, listen up, second part, pass it on. Again, look at verses 2 to 6. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old. Things that we have heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, but tell to the coming generation the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. He established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which He commanded for our fathers to teach to their children, that the next generation might know them, the children yet unborn, and arise and tell them to their children. Now what I want you to see here is that God's people, what they know, What they have experienced about God needs to be taught to the next generation. In other words, God's people rehearse the past. They look back and see those mile markers where God has done something in their life and then they are commanded then to pass it on. Talk to the new generation about what God has done. Make sure that these things are known. And what I find here interesting is that the the command goes in two different directions. There's a positive side of this command, and this is the one that we would like. It's a command to remember and rehearse the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders He has done. I don't know about you, but I think, yeah, that's what I want my kids to know about. That's what I want my grandkids to know about. I want them to know about the goodness of God. I want them to know how He brought us through the darkest times, the darkest hours. I want my kids to be wowed by God. And a bit, we're going to work through some of the wonderful things that God has done. But let's be honest here. Most of us are not as good as we would like to be at telling our kids in any systematic way about the glorious deeds of the Lord and His might and the wonders that He has done. We mean to. I know we do. It's a good idea. But there are so many other pressing things that divert our attention. Little league and soccer and dance and music lessons, church and school activities. They distract us. And then we don't pass on the wondrous message of the glory of God to the next generation. So that's the positive side. Yes, I want my kids to know these things, but now let's look at the negative side. There is a note by implication here that we not just talk about the good deeds of God, but we also talk about the bad stuff. (coughs) It's implied in verse 4. We will not hide them from our children. What is it that they're going to hide? How about a sordid history of sin and rebellion? Let's not talk about that. Let's keep the family secrets. When we have guests over to our house, we enjoy showing them around the house. It's not a big house, but it's our house. And we're kind of proud of how we've taken this house and made it into our home. But you know what? There are parts of our house that we really don't want them to see. Maybe you have a closet like that at your place. You know, it's a place where all the stuff you don't know what to do with it sort of gets jumbled up in there and you kind of ease into the door to make sure that it closes. And you don't want that happening. Some of us have closets like that in our own lives. We're gussied up on the outside, but there are things we, on the inside we don't want people to see or to know about. Not even God. And the psalmist, though, here is pretty clear. It's that We not only need to talk about the glory of God, but we need to talk about The rebellion and the sinfulness of our own hearts and that hurts God is so so good so very good I want to talk about that my heart is rebellious I don't want to talk about that but both are necessary how are we going to understand the extravagant grace of God if we are unwilling to acknowledge the filth in our own hearts the next couple of verses in this passage I have another short phrase for us to memorize how are we doing so far listen up pass it on okay and the third one will be live it out so I don't need a PowerPoint up here let's do it again let's try it together listen up pass it on live it out all right you got it why do we need to pay attention to what God has done Why do we need to tell the next generation about the glory of God and the sinfulness of man? Listen to what he says in verses 7 and 8. So that they should set their hope in God and not forget the works of God but keep his commandments and that they should not be like their fathers, a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. That's distressing. You see in here the implications that they they don't hope in God. They forgot His works. And then we see these, these descriptors of what they were like. They were stubborn, rebellious, not steadfast, not faithful. The New Living Translation takes verse 8 and it translates it this way. Then they will not be like their that they, then they will not be like their ancestors, stubborn, rebellious, unfaithful, refusing to give their hearts to God. Now the principle to at least seems clear to me in the text that if people, if God's people do not remember the past, if they are not instructed by the previous generations, then they will not be true to God. So if we put these together with the first eight verses, we come up with those three words again. Listen up, pass it on. What was the third one? Live it out. I wish it were so easy. I could just come up with little phrases like that and all of life would come together. But it's painfully obvious that God's people of every generation have had trouble with those three words. Those three thoughts. Listen up, pass it on, live it out. They forget. They failed to remember. This psalm uses two words that are antonyms, and we'll find one of them in verse 7. It's the word forget. So that they should set their hope on God and not forget the works of God. (coughs) It's a word that's found often in the Old Testament. But the range of meaning of this word is a little bit different than what we might expect. Biblical forgetfulness is not like losing your keys or forgetting your anniversary date. The word is not about some temporary lapse of memory. Those things are of a minor inconvenience, they have pleasant but usually minimal consequences. They don't have eternal kinds of consequences, but this word is far more serious. Many times the verb is coupled with some kind of action and so Uh, One of our standard Old Testament lexicons give us a range of meaning that's very helpful as we're thinking about, well, what does it mean to forget? Here's what they say. To forget God is to ignore His commandments. To forget God is to follow other gods. To forget God is to stand in fear of harm and danger, to live fretfully and timidly. To forget God is to challenge Him. The Bible would indicate that one of the major things that we face is we just have too much abundance. Say is that the word they use, and we have so much that we begin to forgive or forget about this God who has given us these things. To put a finer point on it, to forget God is to turn in disobedience from God to other things. To forget is to deliberately disregard the works of God. It is to be satisfied with the things of this life rather than our finding our satisfaction in God. Now the antonym is forget, and it's found in verse 42. They did not remember His power or the day that He redeemed them from the foe. To forget is the opposite of remember. And the word remember here has a range of meaning, but what makes most sense in this context is that it's not simply an inner mental act, but it is an inner mental act that is accompanied by appropriate action. In other words, to remember is to think about, to meditate on, to pay attention to, and then to take appropriate action. When men and women remember God and take action for God, they live out the implications of their knowledge of God. To forget is to disobey. To forget is to rebel. To remember God was to think about all He has done in all that He is, and then to act faithfully toward Him. As one writer puts it, not thinking about God's gracious character and deeds may lead His people to acts of unfaithfulness and rebellion. Ooh. Now, those are the themes that are found in the first eight verses of the, of the psalm. And now we can kind of dabble in the rest of the psalm <coughs> Excuse me, i got dry it up here. So we, we have all of, this, all of this stuff that's going on in the first part of the psalm, and now as we go through the rest of the psalm, I don't have to talk about everything that's here. Because there's a repeated pattern over and over and over again in the psalm. God acts graciously towards His people. He gives them more than they ever could imagine. He provides for their needs in in just miraculous ways. But then they turn their backs on God, and they rebel. And they turn away from God to other things. They forsake Him. And then God brings judgment on them for their disobedience, But all the time he remains steadfast in love, and his expressions of kindness keep continually being poured out in spite of everything that they do. Let's look at some examples. Verses 9 through 16 begins with a description of Ephraim. Ephraim was the youngest son of Joseph, and he had received a greater blessing from his father Jacob than his older brother And so what's what's significant about the tribe of Ephraim was that they had a place in their land called Shiloh. And perhaps you'll remember that Shiloh was the center of worship for the nation of Israel prior to David. And so the tabernacle was there, the Ark of the Covenant was there. But there came a day of battle, and Ephraim did not live by faith. And on that day of battle, they fled and abandoned the ark of the covenant, and the things of God to the enemies. They forgot all about God's wondrous thing, acts in the, in the wilderness. And so we have the details of that in verses 9 through 16. But look what he says in verse 10. They did not keep God's covenant, but refused to walk according to His law. They forgot His works and the wonders He had shown them. You think about it. They've seen all the stuff that God has given, all that He has done, and they turned their backs. Verses 17 through 31. This time we hear about them murmuring in the wilderness. They whined about water, they whined about bread, they whined about meat, and God provided all of these things for them. Thank you, Paul. He gave them everything, and they wouldn't trust him. They turned their backs on Him. Same thing, verses 32 to 39. What stands out here is the the wickedness of of the heart. God did, and God did, and God did. And then it says, in spite of all this, they still sinned. And they still believed. We have this picture of God's extravagant grace that's pictured here. Look at verses 38 and 39. Yet He, being compassionate, atoned for their iniquity and did not destroy them. He restrained his anger often and did not stir up all his wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a wind that passes and comes not again. God just keeps providing. Verses 40 to 53. Same picture. He does it again. And then the last section starts at verse 65. And one of the things that we see here is that we have a new hope. We have a new beginning, that God takes away that significance from Ephraim, but he gives it to David and to the line of David. And David ushers in a new promise and a future hope, and God gives them a king who, it says in verse 72, shepherded them and guided them with his skillful hand. And when we think about those words, they prefigure a future Davidic king who would be the good shepherd, the chief shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep. So the bulk of the psalm repeats over and over the grace of God and the rebellion of men. They didn't seem to learn anything. Are we any better? Is it any wonder the psalmist wants them to listen up, to pass it on, to live it out? And he's saying the same things to us. The lessons that are learned from the psalm, ancient words, as the psalm spoke, are applicable to us today. What will it take for Alden Union Church, or any church for that matter, to continue to be faithful and fruitful, and it's right here. God's people need to pay attention to who God is and what He has done. We need to remember the past. God's people must tell of God's grace and mercy to each new generation and also speak of the consequences of sinful rebellion. And God's people must live out the implications of what they learn by faithfully trusting God. In God. Now, I know that this is a long psalm, and we have not touched everything in it, but I think I could summarize it with something very brief. The psalm would go something like this, God's people remember God when they trust Him fully and obey. That's the psalm, in a nutshell. God's people remember God when they trust in Him and fully obey. I don't know whether you've run across the name of Tim Keller. He's a pastor in New York City. But in a recent book, he, he wrote something that I think that's an accurate observation. He said, Whatever captures the heart's trust and love also controls the feelings and behavior. What the heart most wants, the mind finds most reasonable. The emotions find valuable, and the will finds doable. And then he adds this, he says, Though people may have a superficial understanding of a truth, God's truth is not spiritually real to them. If it were, their affections would be engaged and their actions accordingly changed. We don't live as we should, not because we simply know what to do but fail to do it, but rather because what we think we know is not truly real to our hearts. That was the danger of the Israelites. And is our danger today, we can look back on God's dealings with ancient Israel and we can learn the value of trust and obedience. But as New Testament believers, we are called to look back on an event that tops anything that the Israelites ever saw. We look back on the reality of God taking on the form of a man in the person of Jesus Christ. We think back to a life of perfection lived in a corrupt world We look back on an innocent person murdered to tell the truth about himself and God. We look back on one who was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven and now sits at the right hand of God interceding for his people. We are waiting for him to reclaim the fullness of his kingdom. And that's what we need to listen to. That is what we need to tell to our children. It's the gospel that we need to live out with passion and with zeal every day of our lives. You think about it, we have so much more understanding because of the progress of Revelation. We have His words, we have His written will down in an inspired book. But what we learn here in the psalm remains true for us today. If we are going to remain on as a faithful and a fruitful church, we will need to listen up, pass it on, Live it out. Let's do it again. Listen up. Pass it on. Live it out. God's people remember God when they trust and obey Him fully. Let's pray. Father, when we look at the people of Israel and the way that You provided for them, we stand amazed. It's a wonderful thing. But we also are amazed at how rebellious and how hard-hearted we are. And we look back on all that you've done for us in the Lord Jesus Christ, and we need to hear these same words. Listen up. Pass it on. Live it out. Help us, Father, to obey you with all of our hearts and minds and strength. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
1: Stand with me and let's sing together a response to this.
4: Father, we thank you for the words that you instructed us from your word. As we saw that repetition over and over and over again, how it is that we didn't remember or even on one occasion they remembered, but may there be no buts in our obedience as we pass this on and live it out. Thank you so much for the message of your word that is so clear. So as we leave here and go into further instruction in your word and then out into the world, may we truly be that salt, light, and fragrance that you intend for us to be so that people will see us, and in us they will see the Lord Jesus and bring glory to you. We thank you for this, and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.